Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. I wonder, were you ever taught a bedtime prayer? Maybe you were taught a bedtime prayer. Yeah. For example, now this is probably the most familiar one, but uh, it goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Hmm. Perhaps you, you learned that simple prayer. Um, when you were a child. Maybe you recited it before you drifted off to sleep, or uh, maybe, you, maybe you taught it to your own kids at some point. It's likely that Jesus' final statement on the cross just before he died was a prayer that every Jewish mother taught her child before going to sleep at night. It's likely Mary taught Jesus this prayer when he was a little boy. It's actually found in one of the Psalms, Psalm 31, verse 5, which says, Into your hands I commit my spirit, Lord, my faithful God. Jesus made several statements over the six hours that he hung on the cross. And we've considered in a series of messages that I've called uh, crosswords, Jesus' statements before he died. And, and the scene on that day, however, was not a comforting time of prayer next to a child's bed, anything but. It was, it was cold and dark. Blood, death, and pain were evident everywhere. The execution of Jesus was all but complete. But just before he breathed his last, he made a final statement. Let's look at it in our Bibles today. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter. And I want to read there verses 44 through 49. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 49. So uh, use the Pew Bible if you don't have one with you, or you can find it on your phone or Uh, tablet or whatever, and uh, you follow along as I read it for us verbally up here, okay? Luke 23, I'm beginning to read at verse 44, which says, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. 
Let's call the word that we want to talk about today the word of certainty for reasons that will become clear as we, as we reflect on its significance together. Jesus's, if you remember when we started this series, Jesus's first statement was a prayer. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And isn't it interesting that his last statement was also a prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as I mentioned, it was probably a paraphrase of Psalm 31, 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I wonder if you can imagine being there at the cross and watching Jesus take his last breath. Um, a Roman soldier called Jesus a righteous man. Those who only hours earlier had shouted, crucify him, crucify him, seem to have been strangely speechless now. Uh, some of them even appeared to have mourned his death. We read that they were beating their, their chest. His followers were likely overwhelmed with, with grief. And, and I suggest that there was, there was something unique and, and unexpected about it all. Despite Jesus' immense physical and spiritual suffering, he seemed to be in command, oddly enough. And he knew and accepted what was happening to him and why it was as if Jesus permitted and, and in a sense, surrendered to it. You know, Jesus was at, as was as unique in his death as he was in his life. No one ever lived like Jesus lived, and no one ever died like Jesus died either. And Jesus' death accomplished what his life and his miracles and his teachings couldn't do. It, it appeared to break the hearts of, of, of hardened people gathered there at the cross to watch him die. And, you know, there was and there still is a, a spiritually magnetic power in the cross, and it was forever unleashed upon a world of sinful men and women when Jesus made his final statement from the cross. Jesus's word of certainty. When something is certain, it's definite, it's secure, it's real, you, you can count on it. And there are at least three certainties, three secure, definite spiritual realities that I want to underline today for us as we think about Jesus' statement together. Here's the first one. Jesus' statement is about a certain relationship, a certain definite relationship. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus began his final statement with the word Father. And it pointed to a secure, a definite, a certain relationship. Yes, Jesus was, he was likely quoting Psalm 31, but did you notice the important difference? The word Father doesn't appear in that Psalm, does it? Jesus, you see, was the one who first taught us to call God Father, to think of God as Father to relate to God as Father. You know, many people find it very difficult to think of God as a Father. Some think of God as, as kind of a uh, remote, 
aloof supreme being, they might say, well, look, I, I sure, I believe there's a God out there, but he's far too big and too far away to know anything about me or have any interest in my life. There's others who appear to have a problem even thinking of God as a person, much less as a father. Eastern religious thought, which many Americans have adopted, sometimes without even knowing it, it doesn't really even believe in a personal God. It says, you know, all things are, are, are God, and God is all things, and he's not a person at all, and he's more like a force, and, and we need to be absorbed up and into him, and so forth. And then, and then for still others... Uh, the concept of God being a father, well, frankly, it's tainted, isn't it? You see, their earthly father was the one who beat them senseless or abused them. And so the word father makes some people feel afraid, angry, sad, more than secure or happy or, or, or comforted. But Jesus... Now, he recognized the nearness of God and the personhood of God in the same way that, that you know the nearness and the personhood of someone that you love dearly and have known for many years. But Jesus' experience of God was even more than that. Jesus had experienced God with all of the warmth, all of the closeness, the, the firsthand experience and trust that a small child conveys when they see their own father. And Jesus offered a kind of an intimacy and connection with God that no one had ever thought possible before Jesus came and talked about it and taught it. This, this is the certain relationship that's the birthright of every child of God. God is now your father. And it's made certain and definite and secure because of Jesus' death on the cross. You know, today we read in the passage that this great curtain in the Jewish temple that hung between the holy place and the most holy place was rent in two from top to bottom at the moment of Jesus' death. It was as if God himself grasped the top of that curtain with both hands and, and ripped it open. Yes, God had been a remote, aloof, supreme being until then. Only the Jewish high priest could approach him personally, and only then once a year. But, but now the way was open for any and for all. But more than just gaining access, a whole new and wonderful kind of relationship was being offered. And, you know, the first Christians were quick to understand this fact because in the New Testament we read verses like this. You received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Another scripture says, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And you may wonder, what's this word, Abba? Well, uh, many of you know that Abba was the Aramaic word for father, the language that Jesus spoke. And it wasn't just the word for father. It was the word for the familiar everyday name that you called your father. It, it meant quite literally daddy or pops. Imagine 
Imagine calling God Daddy. Jesus did. And, and you and I are invited to enter into, into that kind of relationship, That's that same kind of certain definite relationship. You know, when, when my son Ian was a young boy, he would occasionally point to me with a big smile and he'd say, my daddy, my daddy. And his facial expressions told me that uh, despite his young age, he, he recognized the relationship. And as a result, he, he brought to me all of his childish joys and, and sorrows. And you know, nothing makes a parent happier than when your kid recognizes the relationship that you share with them as being unique and, and special. I mean, over the years, your, your, your child will know many people. And some, uh, some are going to have a great impact on them, true. There will be many friends and acquaintances along the way, but, but you alone are dad. You, you alone are mom. And, and there exists this secure and definite and certain relationship with you that is special and unique and important. And I believe that it warms the great heart of God your Father when you also recognize that because uh, your relationship with him is now secure and definite and certain. It is special. It is unique. It is important as well. He is your father. He's your daddy. And his heart is wounded when you treat your relationship with him as being of just, you know, kind of marginal importance or you refuse to seek his forgiveness when you mess up. But he's delighted when you bring to him all of your human joys and your human sorrows. There's a, an old story that is told of a Quaker family who lived in Pennsylvania during the Civil War. And Quakers, they're sometimes also known as friends. You may know that they're pacifists. And against his father's wishes, a son in that family, Jonathan, ran off, and he enlisted in the Union Army. And uh, time had passed, and, and uh, no word came to the family at all from, from Jonathan. And, and one night, the father had a dream that his, his son was, was wounded in action. He was in great distress. He needed the care of his father. And so this, this Quaker father left his farm. He eventually discovered where and with whom his son was, was serving. And, and he found the commander and asked about his son, Jonathan. And the commander replied that there had been a battle earlier just that very day and things were still very much in chaos. Many soldiers had been wounded and some were still out on the battlefield. And he gave permission to the father to go out and, and try to find his son out on the battlefield. It was getting dark by the time the father started his search, and so he lit a lantern, and, and while searching for his son, he, he came across many wounded men. And some were calling out for help. Others were too seriously to even cry out at all. And, and finding his son seemed impossible in, in that environment. And all he could think to do was to call out loudly, Jonathan Smith, thy father seeketh after thee. 
And he would walk on a little further and he would call out again, Jonathan Smith, thy father seeketh after thee. And here and there he'd, he'd hear a groan and, and one wounded soldier would say, I, I, I wish that was my father. And finally he heard a, a faint, barely audible reply, Father, over here, over here. And he heard Jonathan say, I, I knew you would come. And his father knelt down and, and he took that broken body in his arms and he comforted him with his presence and he dressed his wounds and he carried him home to safety and nursed him back to health. And, and folks, the, the, the meaning of this is that God is just like that father. He too seeketh after thee, especially when you're wounded and you're busted up by life's battles. Jonathan, I think we're okay. I just moved my sweater and it stopped. Who knew? But, but stay there for a few minutes in case it starts again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just hiked up my sweater and it all worked out. Father, Father, Jesus um, was not uncertain about his relationship with God. And you shouldn't be either. Jesus died and he rose again so that you might come to know God as your Father to experience and to enjoy a secure and a definite and a certain relationship with him. Father, said Jesus, into your hands. And the next part of Jesus's last statement reveals another kind of spiritual certainty that's made possible by Jesus's death and resurrection. Let's call it a certain rest, a certain rest. Father, into your hands. Even on the cross, Jesus, Jesus died like a, like a child falling asleep in his father's arms. And it was a prayer full of trust and, and confidence in his father. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that your death and my death will test the reality of our relationship with God probably like nothing else. For example, you know, I'm, I'm personally challenged by what many of the Christians aboard the Titanic did as the, that great ship slipped below the icy waters of the Atlantic Ocean over a century ago. They were all huddled there, gathered on the deck, and they sang the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, as death claimed them. Can you imagine? Wow. If you're a follower of Jesus, then, just like Jesus, you believe death is the opportunity to draw nearer to God, your Father. But fortunately, you, can, you and I can also find a place of confident rest and security in the hands of our Heavenly Father before we come to that moment of physical death. And again, it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus that forms the basis for that certainty. One of the, one of the wonderful results of Jesus' cross is that we can now have confidence that the Father's hands are loving rather than cruel. In fact, being in his hands is the only real place of safety and the only ultimate security that exists. And because of what happened nearly 2,000 years ago, we can live trustfully all of our lives. 
course, folks, life is going to still have its dark moments. Yes, there's going to be times of confusion and sorrow and trial and anxiety and weakness and pain. Count on it. But whenever you say in your heart, Father, into your hands, you recognize that your Father will ultimately bring meaning out of that confusion, joy out of that sorrow, spiritual power to meet every trial, peace to overrule every anxiety, strength in the midst of your weakness, and his comfort and his relief for your pain. Yeah, there's going to be struggles, of course, but there's also going to be victory beyond death. You know, there's a promise in God's word that we can claim every day that we live. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us, and I am convinced. Are you? And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, what a promise is that, huh? And you can be certain of it. It's, it's definite. It's secure. When a man by the name of William Munzer was a small boy, he and his family would often visit his grandparents who lived about nine miles away. And uh, one night, a, a very thick fog settled over the hilly countryside before the family started back uh, in their car to their own home. And, and William, he was just a little guy then. He became afraid of, of that fog. And he asked if they shouldn't be going even slower than they were. And his mother said, well, don't worry. Your father knows the way. You see, William's dad had, had walked that same road when there was no gasoline during World War II. He'd, he'd ridden that, that blacktop on his bicycle to court his future bride. And for years, he'd, he'd made those weekly trips back to visit his own parents. And, and William's father knew the way. And my friend, there will be times when you and I cannot see the road ahead of us. Clearly, there's, there's going to be a fog in front of us. And you might feel a surge of panic rise up in your heart. Yes, life is uncertain. But your father is not uncertain. Uh, don't give in to worry. Your father always knows the way home. You know, what, one of my great struggles in following Jesus isn't getting up and doing something for Jesus, serving him. Instead, it's more often letting go of my own life and just trusting Jesus with my life. Yeah? And you see, often the biggest challenge in your life won't be serving Jesus, but making it a daily habit just to surrender to him. And, and I find comfort in these verses. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their own labors just as God did after creating the world so let us do our best to enter that rest. Father, said Jesus, into your hands. So what, what should you and I put into the Father's hands? Well, how about the hard-to-understand stuff of life? How about the, 
the yet unanswered prayer stuff of life? How about the, the still really painful stuff of life that, that we haven't figured out yet? Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just give up and give in and allow God to be God. Father, into your hands. Can you, can you pray like that? Can you, can you live like that? Jesus could. Jesus did. Even up to and including the moment of death itself. Jesus' final statement is all about certainty. It speaks of a certain relationship. It speaks of a certain rest. And there's one more, there's one more certainty I'd like to share with you. There's a certain release here. There's a certain release Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And the word that's used to describe Jesus' death right there, it's, it's not a normal one. It's a unique one. It means literally to blow out a candle. And it implies that Jesus voluntarily released his spirit from his body by an act of the will after he made that last statement. Now, yes, of course, Jesus would have died eventually because of the experience of crucifixion itself. Nevertheless, the way that it was depicted by Luke implied that Jesus willed out his own life. He, he gave up his spirit. And as he did so, he entrusted his soul, the, the essential inner being or spirit to the Father. And additionally, the word commit there, it means to, it means to hand over something to somebody else. You know, before the crucifixion, Jesus had made this statement, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. Interesting statement, isn't it? And so here at the very end, Jesus, Jesus didn't so much lose his life or have it taken from him unwillingly as he simply dismissed it. He dismissed it. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A certain, definite release to be sure. And Jesus was... Jesus was absolutely unique when he did this. You know, you, you and I just can't, we can't just dismiss our lives by an act of the will like Jesus did at that moment. Someone might argue, whoop, let's see here. We've got a really sensitive mic today, don't we? Someone might argue, but, but isn't suicide dismissing your own life? Perhaps, but that's not, Jesus wasn't, this wasn't about suicide. We, we can't just release our inner spirit to God the way that Jesus did here. And be that as it may, there is a way in which we can release ourselves to God spiritually, even while we remain alive physically. I'm thinking of that, of a well-known verse in the Bible. You, you may have memorized this at some point. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. And, and that verse calls you and it calls me to release ourselves to God every day that we live. And following Jesus, is, it's more than just, just believing certain facts to be about, true about Jesus. It also means that, that we give up our inner selves to Jesus in faith and obedience every day that we live. And yes, folks, that, that happens when you, you first say yes to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, when you become a Christian, when you're born again, when you're saved. But it keeps on happening often in your everyday walk with God, or at least it should. In fact, it becomes a spiritual way of life for a true follower of Jesus. As a child of God, you and I find ourselves saying, Father, into your hands I commit my life today. Father, into your hands I commit my attitudes today. Father, into your hands I commit how I treat other people today. Father, into your hands I commit my actions and my reactions today. Father, into your hands I commit my plans and my priorities for this day. And that prayer has a kind of a spiritual surrender and release that needs to be upon our lips and upon our heart every day and every hour. We just keep on placing ourselves into the Father's hands, a release that is certain and definite and secure every hour of every day. Paul, Paul Stanley was an American infantry commander during the Vietnam War. And uh, in that capacity, he was able to uh, witness the surrender of many Viet Cong soldiers. And um, he would always observe um, how they surrendered. And he could tell by their body language. He could tell by their facial expressions. For example, some of these Viet Cong uh, soldiers that were captured, uh, they, they seemed to be ashamed or embarrassed that they had been captured. They wouldn't even look their, the American soldiers in the eye. They would just kind of look at the ground. Uh, others of them um, were defiant. They just, they just stared at their American captors, and it was pretty evident that... <laughs> Uh, they may have surrendered physically, but they had not surrendered emotionally or mentally yet. Well, on one particular occasion, Stanley came up, up, upon a group of American soldiers that were surrounding a Viet Cong soldier that they had captured. And uh, this, this Viet Cong soldier uh, had been shot in the lower leg. And he was just lying there on the ground. He was helpless. He was frightened, but he was also hostile. And any time one of those American soldiers tried to, tried to reach down and help him in some way, he would throw mud at them. Uh, he would kick out with his, with his other leg. Uh, and um, uh, one of the soldiers turned to Stanley and said, Sir, we, we don't know what to do. Uh, uh, th this man is, is losing a lot of blood quickly. He, he needs medical attention. And so Paul Stanley looked at this, uh, this Viet Cong soldier, and he realized that he was, he was looking into the face of a 16- or 17-year-old teenager. And so he, 
he decided to, to see what he could do. And he, first, first thing he did is he unbuckled his belt, which had his, his pistols in it and his hand grenades, because he didn't want that young man to grab them. And he approached that young man, began to talk softly to him. And this time, that young man allowed Stanley to put his arm around him and, and, and to pick him up. And um, as Stanley began to carry him toward a waiting helicopter for medical treatment, this young Viet Cong soldier began, he began to cry. And uh, they got into the helicopter. This young man just sat on the floor of the helicopter and held on to uh, Stanley's leg for dear life because he was afraid of being in the helicopter, afraid of being uh, high up in the sky. And, and uh, Stanley just put his hand on his shoulder, spoke to him reassuringly. And when they finally landed, he continued to carry this young man from the helicopter to the medical tent where he could get treatment. And, and as he carried him, he could, just, he could just feel the tension being released from this young Viet Cong soldier. And, and, and this guy actually just kind of put his head back on Stanley's chest and, and just kind of gave up as he was carried to this medical tent for treatment. He, in other words, he had finally surrendered. You know, folks, um, some things happen in your life and my life that, well... They make us wonder if God is really for us. Is God really our friend? Is, is God our enemy? And no, God is never our enemy. But you know something? God does demand a personal and unconditional surrender from you, and for me, where we give up and we give in and we begin to live life with an attitude, Father, into your hands, I commit my life every day, any day. And we begin to live that way. We're one week away from Easter Sunday. And I wonder if, if you have made that, that kind of surrender to Jesus ever. Have you ever just said, Lord, here's my life. I give it to you. I'm going to invite you to do that this morning if you haven't done it. But, you know, I, I realize that in the room today, probably most of us have made that decision. That's great. But here's the, here's the additional question that I would ask of each of us. Is that surrender? Is that, is that, is that something that's a part of your life every day? And, and do you need to make a fresh and a new surrender and release of your life and your attitudes and how you treat people and everything about your life to him? Jesus' word of certainty. He gives us, through the cross, a certain relationship, a certain rest, a certain release.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even on the cross, Jesus was teaching us. Jesus was showing us. Jesus was revealing to us how to have a relationship with you. And um, Lord, we thank you that Jesus modeled an attitude there at the very end that, well, it just needs to mark our lives each and every day as we live our lives. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. I commit my life. I surrender to you. And uh, Lord, I pray that that might be the attitude of our hearts and our lives today. And I pray the Lord, if there is someone in our room today that has yet to make that initial surrender of his or her life to Jesus, that today would be the day when they would do that. And Lord, for the rest of us, help us to remember you're, you're never our enemy. Never, never, never. But Lord, you do expect and you want that unconditional surrender to you of our lives. Help us to offer that to you afresh and anew this day and every day. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Carl Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.